Section thirty three The Fair Maid of Perth or Saint Valentine's Day. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Rita Boutros. The Fair Maid of Perth or Saint Valentine's Day by Sir Walter Scott. Chapter twenty nine. Part two. The young man sunk back in a species of syncope, produced by the agony of his mind as he made the fatal communication. The glover, moved as well by fear as by compassion, applied himself to recall him to life, and succeeded in doing so, but not in restoring him to composure. He hid his face with his hands, and his tears flowed plentifully and bitterly. "'For our lady's sake, be composed,' said the old man, "'and recall the vile word. "'I know you better than yourself. "'You are no coward, but only too young and inexperienced, "'ay, and somewhat too quick of fancy, "'to have the steady valour of a bearded man. "'I would hear no other man say that of you, Conachar, "'without giving him the lie. "'You are no coward.' I have seen high sparks of spirit fly from you even on slight enough provocation. High sparks of pride and passion, said the unfortunate youth, but when saw you them supported by the resolution that should have backed them, the sparks you speak of fell on my dastardly heart as on a piece of ice which would catch fire from nothing. If my offended pride urged me to strike, my weakness of mind prompted me the next moment to fly. Want of habit, said Simon, it is, by clambering over walls that youths learn to scale precipices. Begin with slight feuds. Exercise daily the arms of your country and tourney with your followers. And what leisure is there for this? exclaimed the young chief, starting as if something horrid had occurred to his imagination. How many days are there betwixt this hour and Palm Sunday, and what is to chance then? A list enclosed, from which no man can stir, more than the poor bear who is chained to his stake. Sixty living men, the best and fiercest, one alone excepted, which Albin can send down from her mountains, all athirst for each other's blood, while a king and his nobles, and shouting thousands besides, attend, as at a theatre, to encourage their demonic fury. Blows clang, and blood flows, thicker, faster, redder. They rush on each other like madmen, they tear each other like wild beasts. The wounded are trotted to death amid the feet of their companions. Blood ebbs, arms become weak, but there must be no parley, no truce, no interruption, while any of the maimed wretches remain alive. Here is no crouching behind battlements, no fighting with missile weapons. All is hand to hand, till hands can no longer be raised to maintain the ghastly conflict. If such a field is so horrible an idea, what think you it will be in reality? The Glover remained silent. I say again, what think you? 
"'I can only pity you, Conachar,' said Simon. "'It is hard to be the descendant of a lofty line, "'the son of a noble father, "'the leader by birth of a gallant array, "'and yet to want, or think you want, "'for still I trust the fault lies much in a quick fancy "'that overestimates danger.' to want that dogged quality which is possessed by every game-cock that is worth a handful of corn, every hound that is worth a mess of offal. But how chanced it that, with such a consciousness of inability to fight in this battle, you proffered even now to share your chiefdom with my daughter? Your power must depend on your fighting this combat, and in that Catherine cannot help you. "'You mistake, old man,' replied Egan. "'Were Catherine to look kindly on the earnest love I bear her, "'it would carry me against the front of the enemies "'with the mettle of a war-horse. "'Overwhelming as my sense of weakness is, "'the feeling that Catherine looked on would give me strength. "'Say yet, oh, say yet, she shall be mine, "'if we gain the combat, and not the Gaucrom himself, "'whose heart is of a piece with his anvil.' ever went to battle so light as i shall do one strong passion is conquered by another this is folly conachar cannot the recollection of your interest your honour your kindred do as much to stir your courage as the thoughts of a brent browed lass fie upon you man you tell me but what i have told myself but it is in vain replied egan with a sigh it is only whilst the timid stag is paired with the doe that he is desperate and dangerous be it from constitution be it as our highland calox will say from the milk of the white doe be it from my peaceful education and the experience of your strict restraint be it as you think from an overheated fancy which paints danger yet more dangerous and ghastly than it is in reality I cannot tell, but I know my failing, and, yes, it must be said, so sorely dread that I cannot conquer it, that, could I have your consent to my wishes on such terms, I would even here make a pause, renounce the rank I have assumed, and retire into humble life. What? Turn Glover at last, Conachar, said Simon. This beats the legend of St. Crispin nay nay your hand was not framed for that you shall spoil me no more doeskins jest not said egan i am serious if i cannot labour i will bring wealth enough to live without it they will proclaim me recreant with horn and war-pipe let them do so catherine will love me the better that i have preferred the paths of peace to those of bloodshed and father clement shall teach us to pity and forgive the world which will load us with reproaches that wound not i shall be the happiest of men catherine will enjoy all that unbounded affection can confer upon her and will be freed from apprehension of the sights and sounds of horror which your ill-assorted match would have prepared for her and you father glover shall occupy your chimney-corner the happiest and most honoured man that ever hold egan i prithee hold said the glover the fur light with which this discourse must terminate burns very low and i would speak a word in my turn and plain dealing is best 
though it may vex or perhaps enrage you let me end these visions by saying at once catherine can never be yours a glove is the emblem of faith and a man of my craft should therefore less than any other break his own catherine's hand is promised promised to a man whom you may hate but whom you must honour to henry the armourer the match is fitting by degree agreeable to their mutual wishes and i have given my promise it is best to be plain at once resent my refusal as you will I am wholly in your power, but nothing shall make me break my word. The Glover spoke thus decidedly, because he was aware from experience that the very irritable disposition of his former apprentice yielded, in most cases, to stern and decided resolution. Yet, recollecting where he was, it was with some feelings of fear that he saw the dying flame leap up and spread a flash of light on the visage of Egan, which seemed pale as the grave, while his eye rolled like that of a maniac in his fever fit. The light instantly sunk down and died, and Simon felt a momentary terror, lest he should have to dispute for his life with the youth whom he knew to be capable of violent actions when highly excited, however short a period his nature could support the measures which his passion commenced. He was relieved by the voice of Eakin, who muttered in a hoarse and altered tone, "'Let what we have spoken this night rest in silence forever. If thou bringst to light, thou wert better dig thine own grave.' thus speaking the door of the hut opened admitting a gleam of moonshine the form of the retiring chief crossed it for an instant the hurdle was then closed and the shilling left in darkness simon glover felt relieved when a conversation fraught with offence and danger was thus peaceably terminated but he remained deeply affected by the condition of hector mckeon whom he had himself bred up the poor child said he to be called up to a place of eminence only to be hurled from it with contempt what he told me i partly knew having often remarked that conachar was more prone to quarrel than to fight but this overpowering faint-heartedness which neither shame nor necessity can overcome i though no sir william wallace cannot conceive and to propose himself for a husband to my daughter as if a bride were to find courage for herself and the bridegroom no no catherine must wed a man to whom she may say husband spare your enemy not one in whose behalf she must cry generous enemy spare my husband tired out with these reflections the old man at length fell asleep in the morning he was awakened by his friend, the Bouchalach, who, with something of a blank visage, proposed to him to return to his abode on the meadow at the Balo. He apologized that the chief could not see Simon Glover that morning, being busied with things about the expected combat, and that Aiken McKeon thought the residence at the Bala would be safest for Simon Glover's health and had given charge that every care should be taken for his protection and accommodation. 
Neil Bouchalloch dilated on these circumstances to gloss over the neglect implied in the chief's dismissing his visitor without a particular audience. His father knew better, said the herdsman, but where should he have learned manners, poor thing, and bred up among your Perth burghers who, excepting yourself, neighbor Glover, who speak Gaelic as well as I do, are a race incapable of civility? Simon Glover, it may be well believed, felt none of the want of respect which his friend resented on his account. On the contrary, he greatly preferred the quiet residence of the good herdsman to the tumultuous hospitality of the daily festival of the chief, even if there had not just passed an interview with Aiken upon a subject which it would be most painful to revive. To the bellow, therefore, he quietly retreated, where, could he have been secure of Catherine's safety, his leisure was spent pleasantly enough. His amusement was sailing on the lake in a little skiff, which a highland boy managed, while the old man angled. He frequently landed on the little island, where he mused over the tomb of his old friend Gilchrist McKeon, and made friends with the monks, presenting the prior with gloves of Martin's fur, and the superior officers with each of them a pair made from the skin of the wildcat. The cutting and stitching of these little presents served to beguile the time after sunset, while the family of the herdsmen crowded around, admiring his address, and listening to the tales and songs with which the old man had skill to pass away a heavy evening. It must be confessed that the cautious Glover avoided the conversation of Father Clement, whom he erroneously considered as rather the author of his misfortunes than the guiltless sharer of them. I will not, he thought, to please his fancies lose the goodwill of these kind monks, which may be one day useful to me. I have suffered enough by his preachments already, I trow. Little the wiser and much the poorer they have made me. No, no, Catherine and Clement may think as they will, but I will take the first opportunity to sneak back like a raided hound at the call of his master, submit to a plentiful course of hair-cloth and whipcord, disperse a lusty mulct, and become whole with the church again." More than a fortnight had passed since the Glover had arrived at Balao, and he began to wonder that he had not heard news of Catherine or of Henry Wind, to whom he concluded the provost had communicated the plan and place of his retreat. He knew the stout smith dared not come up into the Clan Quaheli country, on account of various feuds with the inhabitants, and with Eakin himself, while bearing the name of Conachar, but yet the Glover thought Henry might have found means to send him a message, or a token, by some one of the various couriers who passed and repassed between the court and the headquarters of the clan Quaheli, in order to concert the terms of the impending combat, the march of the parties to Perth, and other particulars requiring previous adjustment. It was now the middle of March, and the fatal Palm Sunday was fast approaching. Whilst time was thus creeping on, the exiled Glover had not even once set eyes upon his former apprentice, 
the care that was taken to attend to his wants and convenience in every respect showed that he was not forgotten but yet when he heard the chieftain's horn ringing through the woods he usually made it a point to choose his walk in a different direction one morning however he found himself unexpectedly in eakin's close neighbourhood with scarce leisure to avoid him and thus it happened as simon strolled pensively through a little sylvan glade surrounded on either side with tall forest trees mixed with underwood a white doe broke from the thicket closely pursued by two deer greyhounds one of which gripped her haunch the other her throat and pulled her down within half a furlong of the glover who was something startled at the suddenness of the incident the ear and piercing blast of a horn and the baying of a slow hound made simon aware that the hunters were close behind and on the trace of the deer hallooing and the sound of men running through the copse were heard close at hand a moment's recollection would have satisfied simon that his best way was to stand fast or retire slowly and leave it to aiken to acknowledge his presence or not as he should see cause but his desire of shunning the young man had grown into a kind of instinct and in the alarm of finding him so near simon hid himself in a bush of hazels mixed with holly which altogether concealed him he had hardly done so ere Eakin, rosy with exercise, dashed from the thicket into the open glade, accompanied by his foster father, Torquil of the Oak. The latter, with equal strength and address, turned the struggling hind on her back, and holding her forefeet in his right hand while he knelt on her body, offered his skein with the left to the young chief, that he might cut the animal's throat it may not be torquil do thine office and take the essay thyself i must not kill the likeness of my foster this was spoken with a melancholy smile while a tear at the same time stood in the speaker's eye torquil stared at his young chief for an instant then drew his sharp wood-knife across the creature's throat with a cut so swift and steady that the weapon reached the backbone then rising on his feet and again fixing a long piercing look on his chief he said as much as i have done to that hind would i do to any living man whose ears could have heard my dolt foster son so much as name a white doe and couple the word with hector's name if simon had no reason before to keep himself concealed this speech of torquil furnished him with a pressing one it cannot be concealed father torquil said eakin it will all out to the broad day what will out what will to broad day asked torquil in surprise it is the fatal secret thought simon and now if this huge privy councillor cannot keep silence i shall be made answerable i suppose for eakin's disgrace having been blown abroad thinking thus anxiously he availed himself at the same time of his position to see as much as he could of what passed between the afflicted chieftain and his confidant impelled by that spirit of curiosity which prompts us in the most momentous as well as the most trivial occasions of life 
and which is sometimes found to exist in company with great personal fear as torquil listened to what aiken communicated the young man sank into his arms and supporting himself on his shoulder concluded his confession by a whisper into his ear torquil seemed to listen with such amazement as to make him incapable of crediting his ears as if to be certain that it was aiken who spoke he gradually roused the youth from his reclining posture and holding him up in some measure by a grasp on his shoulder fixed on him an eye that seemed enlarged and at the same time turned to stone by the marvels he listened to and so wild waxed the old man's visage after he had heard the murmured communication that simon glover apprehended he would cast the youth from him as a dishonoured thing in which case he might have lighted upon the very copse in which he lay concealed and occasioned his discovery in a manner equally painful and dangerous but the passions of torquil who entertained for his foster-child even a double portion of that passionate fondness which always attends that connection in the highlands took a different turn i believe it not he exclaimed it is false of thy father's child false of thy mother's son falsest of my dolt i offer my gage to heaven and hell and will maintain the combat with him that shall call it true thou hast been spellbound by an evil eye my darling and the fainting which you call cowardice is the work of magic i remember the bat that struck the torch out on the hour that thou wert born that hour of grief and of joy cheer up my beloved thou shalt with me to iona and the good saint columbus with the whole choir of blessed saints and angels whoever favoured thy race shall take from thee the heart of the white doe and return that which they have stolen from thee Aiken listened with a look as if he would fain have believed the words of the comforter but torquil he said supposing this might avail us the fatal day approaches and if i go to the lists i dread me we shall be shamed it cannot be it shall not said torquil hell shall not prevail so far we will steep thy sword in holy water place vervain st john's wort and rowan tree in thy crest we will surround thee i and thy eight brethren thou shalt be safe as in a castle again the youth helplessly uttered something which from the dejected tone in which it was spoken simon could not understand while torquil's deep tones in reply fell full and distinct upon his ear yes there may be a chance of withdrawing thee from the conflict thou art the youngest who is to draw blade now hear me and thou shalt know what it is to have a foster-father's love and how far it exceeds the love even of kinsmen the youngest on the indenture of the clan chatan is ferquhar day his father slew mine and the red blood is seething hot between us i looked to palm sunday as the term that should cool it but mark thou wouldst have thought that the blood in the veins of this ferquhar day and in mine would not have mingled had they been put into the same vessel yet hath he cast the eyes of his love upon my only daughter eva the fairest of our maidens 
think with what feelings i heard the news it was as if a wolf from the skirts of farragon had said give me thy child in wedlock torquil my child thought not thus she loves ferkehard and weeps away her colour and strength in dread of the approaching battle let her give him but a sign of favour and well i know he will forget kith and kin forsake the field and fly with her to the desert he the youngest of the champions of clan chetan being absent i the youngest of the clan quaheli may be excused from combat said eakin blushing at the mean chance of safety thus open to him see now my chief said torquil and judge my thoughts towards thee others might give thee their own lives and that of their sons i sacrifice to thee the honour of my house my friend my father repeated the chief folding torquil to his bosom what a base wretch am i that have a spirit dastardly enough to avail myself of your sacrifice speak not of that green woods have ears let us back to the camp and send our gillies for the venison back dogs and follow at heel the slow hound or lime dog luckily for simon had drenched his nose in the blood of the deer else he might have found the glover's lair in the thicket but its more acute properties of scent being lost it followed tranquilly with the gaze hounds when the hunters were out of sight and hearing the glover arose greatly relieved by their departure and began to move off in the opposite direction as fast as his age permitted his first reflection was on the fidelity of the foster father the wild mountain heart is faithful and true yonder man is more like the giants and romance than a man of mould like ourselves and yet christians might take an example from him for his loyalty a simple contrivance this though to finger a man from off their enemy's chequer as if there would not be twenty of the wildcats ready to supply his place thus thought the glover not aware that the strictest proclamations were issued prohibiting any of the two contending clans their friends allies and dependents from coming within fifty miles of perth during a week before and a week after the combat which regulation was to be enforced by armed men so soon as our friend simon arrived at the habitation of the herdsman he found other news awaiting him they were brought by father clement who came in a pilgrim's cloak or dalmatic ready to commence his return to the southward and desirous to take leave of his companion in exile or to accept him as a travelling companion but what said the citizen has so suddenly induced you to return within the reach of danger have you not heard said father clement that march and his english allies having retired into england before the earl of douglas the good earl has applied himself to redress the evils of the commonwealth and hath written to the court letters desiring that the warrant for the high court of commission against heresy be withdrawn as a trouble to men's consciences that the nomination of henry of wardlaw to be prelate of st andrews be referred to the parliament with sundry other things pleasing to the commons now most of the nobles that are with the king at perth and with them sir patrick charteris your worthy provost have declared for the proposals of the douglas 
the duke of albany had agreed to them whether from goodwill or policy i know not the good king is easily persuaded to mild and gentle courses and thus are the jaw-teeth of the oppressors dashed to pieces in their sockets and the prey snatched from their ravening talons will you with me to the lowlands or do you abide here a little space neil bushalach saved his friend the trouble of reply he had the chief's authority, he said, for saying that Simon Glover should abide until the champions went down to the battle. In this answer the citizen saw something not quite consistent with his own perfect freedom of volition, but he cared little for it at the time, as it furnished a good apology for not travelling along with the clergyman. An exemplary man, he said to his friend Neil Bouchalach, as soon as Father Clement had taken leave a great scholar and a great saint it is a pity almost he is no longer in danger to be burned as his sermon at the stake would convert thousands oh neil bouchalach father clement's pile would be a sweet savouring sacrifice and a beacon to all decent christians but what would the burning of a barrel ignorant burgess like me serve men offer not up old glove-leather for incense nor are beacons fed with undressed hides i trow sooth to speak i have too little learning and too much fear to get credit by the affair and therefore i should in our homely phrase have both the scathe and the scorn true for you answered the herdsman End of section thirty three